If you would please turn to first of all the Gospel of Matthew. I'm going to look at one verse there, and it will be the basic focus of the consummation of the message this morning. So we want to have this before us as we proceed. Listen carefully to the words of your Savior. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Turn over to 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 in terms of our series on this passage. Second Timothy 3.16 All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we have been listening to your instruction to us on the basis of the word of God, that we need reproof, that we need correction. And today we look into the admonition of being trained in righteousness. We ask, O God, that our hearts would be found as those that hunger and thirst for the righteousness of Christ. We ask this in his name. Amen. Do you want the world's version or Paul's version of training, instruction, and righteousness? Let me ask you, do you think this morning... You can handle Paul's version. And more precisely, do you think you can handle what undergirds Paul's teaching on righteousness with respect to Jesus' teaching about righteousness? Paul's fourth phrase for the practical use of Holy Scripture Training, instruction, discipline in righteousness 
was a popular phrase found in the educational model of Greek and Roman culture. As we move to Paul's meaning and use of the phrase, let me briefly highlight the meaning and use of the phrase in the popular educational model of Greek and Roman culture in Paul's day. Please do not, do not just miss this. Do not allow your mind to wonder, because allow your mind to work as this is presented to you, because you will see the very similar aspects in modern democratic culture of education in which we are living in in 2021. First of all, the purpose and goal of education in terms of the Roman and the Greek culture is to make a good, a virtuous person for the sake of a good and virtuous culture. Now, what does it mean to be good? Well, for them, there were the four cardinal virtues which describe a good person. Those four virtues are courage, wisdom, temperance, which means self-control and restraint, and justice. We are particularly interested in justice since the same Greek word used for justice is translated with the English word righteousness in our text in Paul this morning. For the Greeks and the Romans, justice, righteousness, combines the notion of fairness in the external world with our own personal integrity. They want people to be upright. They want people to be honest, fair, righteous, on the basis of human judgment. Secondly, since a virtuous person, since a virtuous society, culture, and state are dependent upon the education in the Greek and Roman world, the phrase for the training and instruction in righteousness became the virtuous foundation for their educational model for the sake of a virtuous culture and a virtuous state. Socrates summarizes the position, culture alone is immortal and divine. Think about that right now, that quote. For this reason, education is a public affair, and it requires the laws of the state to secure an immortal divine culture. Simply put, the immortal and divine ideal of the state and culture is the purpose and the end of Greek and Roman society and education. Now, 
in this humanistic model of education, there is a relentless tension between the human quest of freedom and the standards of traditional society. Freedom and traditional standards of society will always buck heads. Think of it right now in the terms of American culture. Think of it only in terms of the example of marriage. In terms of this idea of freedom. Okay, in terms of that freedom, there are those who now are expressing strongly the freedom of same-sex marriage. And that's bucking heads against those who hold to a traditional view in the culture, in the society, that marriage is only between a male and a female. So in fact... A secular democratic society, whether ancient or modern, will always be pressed by those who pursue their own cultic human liberties to push the traditional standards of society to the edge of extinction. Such is the nature of the secular culture war. Sound familiar? A war that cannot escape the deep catacombs of sin found in all humanity in a, rest, in a relentless pursuit of selfish ambition, power, and control. Congregation. For the Greeks and the Romans, the phrase training, instruction in righteousness is a thesis. Paul understands exactly what he is doing as he employs this phrase before Timothy and before us. Paul surely has Timothy's attention, but Paul is radically, he is radically transforming Timothy into a biblical redemptive historical use of the phrase. By using this secular phrase to Timothy, Paul is not interested, he's not interested at all in joining Timothy to the secular culture, to being culturally relevant. That's not his goal with Paul. Rather, Paul is placing Timothy and he's placing the church, each of us, in an entirely different realm. Paul is providing an entirely different understanding of the phrase training in righteousness, which is completely antithetical at Odds, you see, totally at odds to the Greek and the Roman model. Paul is placing Timothy and the church, each of us, in a realm that alone provides truth and security in an intimate blend between freedom and law, the freedom that each of you has 
in Jesus Christ, in your union with Christ, and that freedom being expressed, you see, in terms of the words of Paul to the Galatians church in Galatians chapter 6, the law of Christ, what James calls the royal law. That's what governs the church. That's what governs Christian people. Christ, union with Christ, and union in Christ in terms of his righteousness, his royal, his royal law. A world, a world which Christ brings in which righteousness and justice truly reigns. The Greek and the Roman model of education is absolutely hopeless. Hopeless. Because the battle between the tyranny, please hear this, the tyranny of freedom and the tyranny of tradition will never resolve itself within the domain of earthly culture and the state. Sin paralyzed is every quest and final resolution in any human constitution or construction or institution. So this hopeless battle to bring resolution into the realm of a fallen humanity drives each of us right to the core of the meaning of the meaning of our phrase by Paul in the incredible, incredible benefits of living in and out of, living in and out of the practical use of the breathed out words of the living God. Do you recall the opening question this morning? Do you think you can handle Paul's version? Do you think you can handle the foundation of Paul's version? Found in Jesus Christ teaching, and person. We have already noted that Paul's phrase is against the secular democratic culture of his day. I assume assume as I hinted that if you were listening carefully that you noted parallels in the Greek-Roman version of democracy with our own version of modern democracy. In order to grasp the antithesis of Paul's view of our phrase in the secular culture around him and now that is around us, we want to direct our attention to that specific word of righteousness that appears in our text. Interestingly, It just so happens, 
that our focus on this phrase and word occurs in our message today, Independence Day, July 4th. Although we are so thankful for the providence of God to live in a nation under a government that is to protect the individual freedom of its citizenry, and that I personally, I personally believe that the American form of democracy is the greatest form of secular government ever created by humans in the history of the world. It does not mean that it is inherently Christian. Both conservative and liberal Christians want to bring their own selected principles of modern democracy and blend them into our own versions of the Christian faith. I ask you this morning, is that you? Is that you? Do you interpret and live your Christian faith under the heading of the Declaration of Independence, the American Constitution, or the Scriptures? Do you think that you are free to live your Christian life any way you choose as long as you believe or you could care less if it is hurting others as long as your belief is not hurting others? Do you think you are free to take certain parts of the word of God more seriously than other parts of the word of God depending upon your own personal likes and dislikes. That's guaranteed to me in the American Constitution. Do you think that you are free to accent some sins but dismiss other sins which you feel are too strict and out of touch with the present directions of our culture. In American democracy, I'm free to go where I want, do what I want, and choose when to go anywhere. And thus, for many Christians, this includes attendance at church to worship our sovereign God. Well, Are you really willing to look into your own heart this morning? How much does the consciousness of individual freedom and your so-called human rights supposedly promised you in the Declaration of Independence in the American Constitution shape your understanding and interpretation of the Christian life? Are you examining your heart right now? Think about it. Where do you stand on this? 
to repeat, can your heart truly handle what Paul is telling Timothy here? Can your heart truly handle the foundation of Christ's words in the Sermon on the Mount that he is speaking to your heart this morning in Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness' sake, for they shall be satisfied. Indeed, the term righteousness has the meaning of right. Are you more interested, ask yourself this, are you more interested in your human rights, how you are viewed as being right in relationship with your fellow human beings than how you are right before the presence of God? God's righteousness depicts justice in terms of being equal, just equity, being fair. A moral characteristic accompanies it, being morally upright and straight in the way that we live before him. Is your status in these things in the temporal world more important to you than a righteousness that places you in the eternal residence of heavenly glory with the triune God? The literature is out there in abundance right now in our culture. It is more important, even in the Christian church right now, to have your rights protected in the context of this world than to looking at how you live and what your rights are before a sovereign, holy God. Any democratic formulation of the rights of humans, of humans of equality, what is justice, what is morally upright and straight, is constructed upon the fallen limitations of human wisdom. The construction of such righteousness within the government and the judicial system of the state is only an ideal as it, is, as it is secular and under the control of sinful humanity who by nature cannot live rightly in equality or justly in her interhuman relationships. is not the point I'm making to you right now. Is it not self-evident as you look at the culture around you? Look at the present mess 
an antagonism over human rights, equality, equity, and justice. The Declaration of Independence, the American Constitution, are part of our nation's final founding documents, but its parchment does not bring any, any lasting resolution to the turmoil of human self-interest that reigns in the secular culture. Even so, even so, we are so thankful for our sovereign God, who is the guardian over such secular relationships in a fallen world as he will definitely bring resolution from an entirely different realm into the glory of Christ's righteousness and kingdom as it is applied to the church, as it is applied to those whom he has elected unto his salvation before the foundation of the earth. How glorious is that? Christ's baptism. Remember? We have preached on this. Christ's baptism inaugurated the historical fulfillment of God's righteousness embodied, embodied in the ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Matthew 3.15 which has its imperative, which has its imperative command to those who have ears to hear. Are your ears open? Are you listening to Jesus? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Matthew 6.33 Do you want Christ's righteousness to dominate your life? It is the foundation, the absolute foundation of Paul's training of Timothy. Or do you want the righteousness of American democracy to dominate and interpret your Christian life, which is forever fleeting like dust in the wind? If we are truly interested in eternal, everlasting, heavenly rightness, Justice, equality, fairness, and the moral status of uprightness, then you must be willing to honestly look into your fallen heart where your inner consciousness is confronted with the truth of your Creator. As we have seen with the word of God in Timothy, allow the word to penetrate and expose the breath of your fallen condition 
to convict and to correct you through penance, driving you to embrace the free gift, the free gift of the holiness and the righteousness of God freely offered and given in Christ's death and resurrection. Only in your heart. Are you looking there? Are you looking there? Only in your heart can the issue of righteousness be resolved from the problem of sin. In light of your union with Adam's sin, your heart needs a radical change. You do not possess any inalienable rights before God. That may shock some of you. Only God, the sovereign God, has inalienable rights as the sovereign who freely decrees and ordains all things that come to pass. Is your heart actually captivated with that truth? Is it? Is your heart essentially prostate before the Lord right now. After all, your heart is the religious core of your being. Is your heart crying out in thanksgiving that righteousness has come to you, to Christ's church, as unentitled, undeserved grace to be in possession of God's righteousness and the path which is straight, that is the path of righteousness, is all grace. All grace. As gift, as grace, Christ. Are you hearing Are you hearing the beatitude for your own heart, for your own life? Christ is calling you blessed. Blessed. The blessings of Christ are upon you in this grace. You have the privilege and honored position, this position before the Lord. If you truly grasp your union with Adam's sin, why would any of us, any of us, look to any government, human judicial court, a piece of paper to give or protect our supposed rights, justice, and equality. 
rather out of the blessings of God's gift in Christ. Are you thinking? Out of the blessings of God's gift in Christ. It's a beatitude to you. To you. Set your heart upon hungering and thirsting after Christ's righteousness and kingdom that is only found in him. Only by living in the fullness of Christ's gracious righteousness under his protected rights, justice, and equality Will your soul, will your soul, your heart, be truly as Christ promised to you in his blessing? Will your soul, will your heart be satisfied? Satisfied. This is the foundational and fundamental teaching of Paul's instruction concerning training Timothy, training him in righteousness, which we will further develop on our next Lord's Day together, more specifically in terms of the Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17. But this morning, I wanted you to make sure you understand the foundation, the glorious foundation that is found in Christ's own words concerning the righteousness and the kingdom of God that he has ushered in for you. It is this righteousness which is fundamental to Paul's instruction of Timothy. May we also share in this instruction by our Savior unto us this morning. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we know that we only can find righteousness in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We thank Thee for the blessing that He has poured out upon His people his church. Help us not to get confused with the righteousness that the world tries to proclaim, but that our hearts would be totally committed, dedicated, 
and focused by thy spirit upon our Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.